to the class. And thank you for your participation in the Southfield IDMR Zoom session. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan branch was established in the year 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan branch is Dr. Marvin Lewis. The president is Dr. Edward Yule, and our superintendent is Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Greek language, the Hebrew language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and correct name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. 
Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place and court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary aims and constitutional objectives of the Institute are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstitions, skepticisms, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, I'm sorry, yes, Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah.
and 10 to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we will have a prayer by our visiting brethren, uh, Dr. Frank Damaski, I believe it is, followed by scripture, which will be John the ninth chapter read by our brethren from Lansing, Dr. Brandon Craig. Good afternoon, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Everybody want to bow their hearts or minds? Thank our Father for allowing us one more time to stand before and testify to this beautiful gospel. Let us thank him for seeing fit in his purpose to draw each and every one of us out of this world of darkness and attract us and draw us to his divine light by revealing himself to us. May each and every one of us never see the day that we don't love the truth. May we always be long-suffering with each other and wait until that day comes where we can go home. With that, let's all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good evening, class. Can everybody hear me? Yes, we can. I'll be reading John, the ninth chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testament. Estimates critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts and revised by A.B. Trana and reprinted by Yahshua Promotions. John, the ninth chapter. And as he passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Yahshua answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents but that the works of Elohim should be made manifest in him. I must work the work works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, A man that is called Yahshua made clay and anointed mine eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed, and I received sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Yahshua made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of Elohim, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? 
he said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth we know not, or who hath opened his eyes we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Messiah, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give Elohim the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see because of him. Then said they to him again, what did he, pardon, then said they to him again, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and ye did not hear. Wherefore would ye hear it again? Will ye also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that Elohim spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that Elohim heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of Elohim and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the beginning of the ages it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of Elohim, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Joshua heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of Yahweh? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I might believe on him? And Joshua said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Rabbi, I believe, and he worshipped him. And Yahshua said, For judgment I am come on into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made. Pardon, let's start that again. And Yahshua said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Yahshua said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. That was John the ninth chapter. Hallelujah. Thank you, uh, Dr. Craig, for that uh, beautiful scripture reading. And to uh, Frank from my, I think he's from our Oceanside branch or Green Bay for the prayer. We have Syracuse. So many... Syracuse. Okay, thank you. We have so many brethren on them. I'm excited. I have goosebumps. So uh, before we begin, I would like to acknowledge all of our visiting brethren. I'm going to say the branches because we have so many. We have Syracuse represented, Lansing, Michigan. Saginaw, Michigan, Oceanside, California, Madison, Wisconsin, 
Green Bay, Wisconsin. And if I'm not mistaken, we have uh, from our, what branch is that from in Colorado? Uh, Denver, Colorado. We have Joseph Williams. I believe he's on. He was trying to get in. He was texting me. He couldn't get in. So welcome to you all. We really appreciate you being here. We do hope you enjoy the lecture. And for our first speaker of this afternoon, we're happy to call the president of the Madison, Wisconsin branch, Dr. Steve Gagno. Sorry, the dean of the Madison, Wisconsin branch. I just want to I see was the president. <laughs> I, I got promoted somewhere along the line. That's right. can happen to any one of you people. <laughs> Thanks for joining. Just remember that. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, Carl, uh, Diane was the dean prior to that. Diane Emler. All right. Hi, everybody. Hello. Um, I'm, yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm looking at that Moses chart. I'd never seen one look like that. It was mm -hmm. fascinating when you were moderating, going, that is the coolest looking cloud I've ever seen. <laughs> Some fire. Right. Who, who, yeah, who did our, that? Do you guys our, paint that? Uh, yes, our, um, uh, Dr. Calvin Brazil, he's our artist. Walter, Walter Daney painted that. Oh, this uh, one, the Moses chart. Yeah. Oh, nice. Pretty cool. Yes, it is. Pretty it? cool. I, I, you know, when I, I've been in class since the mid 80s and a lot of clutch Moses charts since I came in started getting more fiery and more fiery. They were kind of yellowy, white in the beginning, I think, some of the ones I saw, but as people kept making more, they got more fiery. And this one's pretty fiery and cool. Anyhow, enough said about that. I'm happy to join you, uh, get the opportunity to have anything to say um, about Yahweh and his purpose and uh, thinking about what Frank from Syracuse said in the prayer uh, that, uh, you know, opening our eyes fits right in with this uh, scripture reading. And, uh, you know, there was, uh, every one of us had a first class, a first experience. Hopefully we've all had our eyes open that are here and we truly do see this thing as it is, as it's been revealed by Yahshua, but, uh, you know, Yahshua's back here opening eyes. Um, and all I, you know, I don't want to work with the whole thing, but I, I, I think of how um, under the first covenant, uh, it would be your righteousness uh, if you, where is that in like Deuteronomy 8 or 4, 28 or somewhere in there? I don't know scriptures real well. I'm terrible about that, but I'll have to look it up if you don't have it, assist me. Our, our scripture um, readers are Lauren Lewis and Brandon Craig. Sorry about uh -huh. that. Uh-huh. Deuteronomy 6 and 24, please. That's Deuteronomy, <clears throat> excuse me, 6 and 24. Mm-hmm. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive, mm -hmm. as it is at this day. Chuck, mm -hmm. me continue. Continue, please. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments 
before Yahweh our Elohim, as he has commanded us. Mm -hmm. So the, the problem with the first covenant was it wasn't Yahweh's righteousness. And we, you know, it's the, the thing is, it shall, he shall preserve us alive if we do this thing and it'll be our righteousness. And when, you know, when that was shown to us uh, somewhere along the line, it kind of is a letdown to trying to be good, trying to keep commandments, trying to do things. It's just your righteousness. And if you understand what I'm saying there, it's not the righteousness of Yahweh. And uh, these people, the priesthood, uh, uh, where is it? Malachi, woe unto you priests. Uh, I want Malachi. Uh, I, I miss my Sasha. I just say something and he tells me that where it is instantly. Right, he does. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs a Sasha, right? Uh Malachi 1 and 6, please. You know, the job of the priesthood was to teach the people. Uh, all the 12 tribes all received an inheritance of land in Canaan. The priest did the service of Yahweh, and their job was to teach the people. And they were taken care of by the 12 tribes and by Yahweh. They didn't get land, you know. So, which became a problem for them after a while. Just like the children of Israel started going around whoring with other gods, well, the priesthood started, uh, you know, making rules that they didn't have to begin with and started making traditions and so on, like hand washings and things like this and so on. So they're, they're, they're attacking Yahshua for healing a man over here. And it was a Sabbath and they're trying to, judge him but let's read here what wrong with the priesthood read malachi one and six thank you a, a son honoreth is a son honoreth his father and a servant his master if then i be a father where is mine honor this is speaking first person about yahweh if yahweh be your is your father where's my honor read and if I be a master, where is my fear? Mm -hmm. Saith Yahweh of hosts say, unto say you. Yahweh. Read. O priests that despise my name. Mm -hmm. And ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? Mm -hmm. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? Yahweh had a problem with the priesthood all the way down. I mean, when Yahweh took Egypt and, and brought them to their knees and allowed the children of Israel to go out in the Passover and worship Yahweh at the Mount, uh, he did it by his name. And in Exodus 9, 16, it says, for in very deed for this cause, have I raised you up to show my power and declare my name. Yahweh was salvation back there. They didn't see Yahshua, but that's typifying that Yahweh is salvation. Okay, so here he is down through the time. All they do is corrupt his name. And uh, this is the priest. They're not teaching the people properly. Read. You offer polluted. Yes, please. Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar. Mm -hmm. And ye say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of Yahweh is contemptible. Mm -hmm. They can't even see it. They're blind to what they're doing. I mean, it fits in real well with the blindness that they, 
you know, in the end of the scripture reading, he said, you know, seeing you see not basically, you know, you think you see, but all you're seeing is the flesh he's talking about. You're not seeing the principle. You're not seeing the invisible Elohim, Yahweh. You think, you know, I mean, we all did it. We thought we could go hide behind the garage and pull off something so our parents didn't see us. And we think the same way about Yahweh. He can't see, hear us, and so on and so forth. So anyhow, where have we made the table of Yahweh contemptible? Read. Eight. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Right. You. They were supposed to take out a lamb or anything they offer. You didn't offer your uh, day-old bread or your wilted uh, whatever. You know, turtle doves that were already dead. Here, offer these up on your altar. All of the above. You every see what they missed was Yahweh gave them everything they had. He expected you to give back your best. He deserves nothing better. Nothing, you know. So read. If you offer a... Start at eight again, please. I'm sorry. Eight. And if he offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? Your microphone has a little bit of a flutter in it. Is it just me or is everybody else here? Yeah, that? a little staticky. Yeah. Okay. So just go a little slower and maybe we won't bother us the fluttering. Read it again, please. And if he offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If he and if he offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Mm -hmm. Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person? Mm -hmm. Saith Yahweh of hosts. See, and 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 this is these Pharisees, you know. Uh, they, they don't have an Ark of the Covenant. It, the Jeremiah hid that, I don't know how many hundred years prior to this, a couple hundred years prior to this, he's already hidden this thing. And we know that on the, we know that uh, they don't have it anymore. So there has that John the Baptist comes along later on. He's got confessed sinners, confessing sinners. This whole thing is a, a set of, these people that were running, uh, the priesthood, it's a sham. Everything they do and say, and they're corrupted, and they, uh, they're just out after anybody who wants to argue with them. And uh, they, they just don't know who they're up against with Yahshua, and uh, it's just kind of interesting. I want to go back over to the scripture reading here, and uh, where was it in nine, and uh, nine was our scripture reading. Yeah, John uh, uh, yeah, I want to pick it up at like 39. I'm not going to be up here much. I've just got a few comments I want to make, and I'm going to turn it over. So 39. 39th part? Thank All you. Right. That is John 9 and 39. Mm -hmm. And Yahshua said, For judgment I am come into this world, mm -hmm. that they which see not might see. Mm -hmm. And that they which see might be made blind. Yeah. So, so Yahshua has got to come in and fulfill all things. And, and the covenant was their righteousness and they corrupted it. And we know down here that the reality of the covenant is Yahshua in you. The new covenant is Yahshua in you. He is the high priest teaching us all things. 
bringing all things back to our remembrance and so on and so forth. He is the light that shines in the darkness. See, we, we get a new high priest and Yahshua is just, he's calling them out. They don't believe any of this. They never believed Yahweh. They're just like the spies who went up and had a bad report. They just never were faithful in the operation of the tabernacle. They never were faithful to their creator. That's why they went into bondage. I mean, from when Moses, before Joshua took them over, he saw the, that they were going to corrupt this thing. And he knew. And, and Joshua had to deal with it and so on and so forth. And you listen to all the prophets that he sent. They, they, they just, you know, learned the way of Baal and so on and so forth. And, you know, it started when they wanted a king versus the judges and so on and so forth. So everything they did, every step they went was leading to the fact that they couldn't do it on their own. There was the priesthood was corrupt. The people were corrupted. And it takes Yahshua in you to make this covenant that we learn about in the physical parts of it. And we learn to apply it to the spirit, which is Yahshua in you. And, uh, you know, we're thankful, as Frank said, you know, that we've been enlightened with the truth, having our eyes open, having, having, uh, my friend David Willekid, who passed away some years back, used to always grab his eyelids. You got to get the flesh out of your eyes. And he'd pull on his eyelids. They're covering your eyes. You got to lift them up and get the flesh out of your eyes. <laughs> and I can still see him doing it. And just emphatic that you needed to see past the flesh. The flesh is here. It's necessary to show you just like a couple of apples and a couple of oranges learn one orange plus one orange is two and one apple plus one apple is two and so on and so forth. The principal manifestation thing and, and Yahshua is calling out these people who have corrupted. He, he's basically riling them up so they put them on the cross so we can bring it to an end. They, they all, they cried out in the wilderness. They, we can't do the giants up there and they didn't go take Canaan's land. And they were suffered 40 years in the wilderness instead of 40 days and so on and so forth. And all the way through, they, they bucked up against Yahweh. There were a few of them that moved by faith. And it was always the remnant coming down that kept the thing going. The Daniels and so on and so forth. So um, I'm going to turn it over and... Uh, it's always a pleasure, and I just really thank you for the opportunity. And I'm now I know that I'm going to get an email, and I can listen in on this class. That, and this is perfect to me. It's just the afternoon, and uh, I'm sorry I don't have more, but uh, it's enough. Thank you very much for the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Gagnon, from our Madison, Wisconsin branch. We appreciate it. And from, um, we're happy to have from our Denver, Colorado branch, the president, Dr. Joseph Williams. Dr. Williams, are you able to get on? Is your mic working? Oh, it might not be. He's having audio issues. So I'm going to wait and uh, call on someone else. And then if he's available, we'll definitely get him on uh, to speak. Thank you very much.
And for our next speaker, we're, we're happy to have from our um, uh, Oceanside, California branch to Dean, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Dr. Volpe. Uh, one second, please. I want to make sure I got everything on. Okay. Um, nice to be here with you this afternoon. Before I get started, I need to find out uh, what's my time frame. Have about 30 minutes. I'm sorry, could you repeat that, please? Sure, 30 to 35 minutes. 35 minutes? 30 to 35, yes, sir. Okay, well, then this will be quick. We'll get this, we'll get through this quick. <laughs> Take your time. Well, that's impossible. 35 minutes for me, it's just getting started, so that's okay. <laughs> no problem whatsoever. I can, I can get, get out a few things in that time allotment, but then I know what I have to edit. Uh, anyhow, uh, I was asked to come today uh, to class because we had a discussion the other night and I shared some things that the founder had said in conversation that I happened to be present for. And I uh, was asked to, if I could come and share that with the people here in the Southfield class. Now, we know that we're headed down now to a point in the purpose where we are going to, uh, we're at the eminent close of an age and the revelation of Yahshua from heaven. And there's going to be a change that takes place. Uh, over there in 1 Corinthians, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. And I think it's 53, if I'm not mistaken, in the moment, the twinkling of an eye. 1 Corinthians 15. And 53. Uh, no, you want it in a moment in twinkling. Of the That's what I want. Yeah, I'm not sure if 53 was the right verse. Uh, it's down in there. Uh, yes, let's, yes, let's uh, start at 51. Okay. Um, yes. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. All at right. the last trump. Yep. Raid. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we oh. shall be changed. All right. Now, we're coming down to the close of an age, and what we just read is imminent. It's, we're, we're about to experience a change that's going to take place. Now, what Dr. Kinley said in conversation that we were sitting around talking he was talking about the new heaven and new earth state. And he made the statement that nobody is yet in that new heaven and new earth state. Nobody that has lived down through, uh, from Adam on down through to, to, to that day, nor are the angels in that new heaven and new earth state. He said, now at the end of the age, when the uh, revelation of Yahshua from heaven takes place. He said, we're going to receive an immortal glorified body just like his. When he appears in all of his glory with a super incorporeal body, he said, you're going to be right there with him with the same body that he has. And we're all going into the new heaven and new earth state together. Meaning all the angels and all that have lived from Adam on down through that are in Yahshua the Messiah 
are going in there. And the analogy of it, of course, is the children of Israel that came up out of the land of Egypt, as you know, their journey was to head to the land of Canaan. And as we realize, they had to be changed, or a principle, or a manifestation is manifested there in the wilderness where a change has to take place. Now, the first generation that came out, which is the first, Dr. Kinley, or excuse me, Yahweh Elohim told Moses to tell Pharaoh that Israel was his firstborn. Now that ought to clue you into something if you knew what was in your scriptures. Because if you remember back there in Genesis, the firstborn did not get the inheritance. It was the secondborn. Example, Ishmael was a firstborn son of Abraham. But Isaac, who was born second, he's the one that received the primary blessing or the inheritance. Now the same thing happened with Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob were twins, and Esau was born first. So he had the primary, uh, should have received the primary blessing. But we all know the story, and I'm not going to go into it, how that Jacob received the blessing instead, showing that the secondborn is the one who receives the inheritance. Now, we come to the children of Israel. We have the children of Israel down there in Egypt that Yahweh declared as his firstborn son. That son comes up into the wilderness, and we all know the story, that they sent 12 spies into the land of Canaan. They came back, 10 of them came back with an evil report, and 2 of them came back with a true report. Now the people did not accept the true report of Yahshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb. Now Yahweh disinherited that firstborn son and told them that none of them would enter into their rest because of unbelief. But their children, which are the second generation, or secondborn, they're the ones that are going into the land of Canaan to show that the secondborn receives the inheritance. Now what we have then is Yahshua comes in and he tells Nicodemus, he said, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of Yahweh. That's because we're all firstborn because we're the children of Adam. And we're firstborn after the flesh. And unless we're born again, we cannot enter into the inheritance. Now, I'm saying that to try to set up and tell you what Dr. Kinley was talking about. There's going to be a change. And all creatures, whether they be angelic or us, at that point when Yahshua appears, we are all going to, there's the, the physical body is going to be removed and you're going to receive a new body and it's going to be a superincorporeal body. And so are the angels. And we're all going into the inheritance led by Yahshua at that point into the new heaven and new earth state, which is shown by the fact that Moses led them out of the land of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness of Sinai, and then Yahweh Elohim told him, you're not going across, Moses, that I want you to charge Yahshua the son of Nun. 
and that Yahshua would take them in and give them their inheritance. Now we also know that Yahshua the son of Nun at Gilgal was required to circumcise the second generation because they had not been circumcised, those that were born in the wilderness, and now in order to receive the inheritance they have to be circumcised. So in the fifth chapter of Joshua you read about that where Joshua took sharp knives and went out and circumcised the children of Israel the second time. Now, what you're going to read if you read down in there, and I, I happen to be in a conversation also where a person in a Los Angeles class came up to Dr. Kinley's apartment there in L.A. and actually asked him the question about how do you circumcise somebody twice, and Dr. Kinley answered that, and I don't have the time to give you the answer to that, so... Uh, all I can tell you is another time, if you're paying attention, listening to one of our classes, we'll try to go into it. You but, have time. I'm sorry? You have time. Well, all right. <laughs> all right. Here's what he said about that. When the person asked him, how, does, how, does, how do they circumcise somebody twice? Dr. Kinley said, well, now, the first generation was circumcised, but the second generation hadn't been circumcised. And Moses was required to circumcise, I mean, Joshua was required to circumcise Israel the second time, meaning the second born, the second generation, because the firstborn had died off by this point. And so the person asked a beautiful follow-up question to Dr. Kinley and said, well, how did they eat the Passover? if they weren't circumcised? Very good question, because under the law, in order to eat the Passover, you had to be circumcised. And this is what Dr. Kinley said. He said that second generation that formed the body of Israel, all the members were a member of a body, that was the second born son, that whole congregation together. And by virtue in the manifestation that Yahshua, the son of Nun, who was Yahweh Elohim himself, was dwelling in the midst of Israel, it was typifying that, they, that Yahshua dwelling in the second generation. He said, and what that shows forth is a circumcision made without hands. And Paul talks about that about the circumcision made without hands. So that Israel was a circumcised on the inside rather than necessarily on the outside with that first generation, or second generation, excuse me. Now watch. When you come into this class and the Holy Spirit is imparted to you, put in you, you look uncircumcised to the world while as yet the circumcision is going on inside your heart and mind that carnal mind those physical concepts and theories and opinions and nature that you have is being cut away by Yahshua by the way not by your Dean not by somebody else in class it's the Holy Spirit in you cutting away that carnal nature and causing you to receive a new nature. But yet on the outside, you still look like every other person in the world, or you look, quote, 
firstborn by virtue of having a physical body. Now Joshua, after he circumcised the children of Israel, goes on to say in the fifth chapter of Joshua, this day, he said, after he circumcised them, he said, this day have I rolled the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Dr. Kinley said at the end of this age, when your physical body is removed and you receive that new body, that superincorporeal body, you will have that reproach of Egypt, meaning the world, that fleshly form, removed or rolled off of you, and that which has already taken place in you, which is the circumcision of your soul, will be given a new container or a new body that reflects the work that Yahshua did within you while you were yet appearing to the world to be uncircumcised. Now you can think about that for a while. I know that when he went into that, it blew my mind. At the time I was living back in New York, where I came into class, and I went back from Los Angeles to New York, and I taught that on the floor, and they made tapes of it. But here's what I want you to see. A change is going to take place before we go in to get our inheritance. It has to happen. Now, until that change takes place, nobody's going in. Now, what I want you to see is this. Nobody yet is sitting over there in the new heaven and new earth state. And Dr. Killing went as far as to say this. He said, now listen. He said, if you had a knothole view, if you could look through a knothole on a fence and look and just get a glimpse of what he has in store for you, what has been prepared for you, he said, you won't allow anything in this life to stand in your way from obtaining it. And then he went on to say this. He said, now if the devil knew how terrible the lake of fire is going to be, he said, going to be, he would repent. Now, nobody is in the new heaven and earth state, and nobody is in the lake of fire yet either. So people have this idea, when you walk in the door from Christianity, that when you die, you go to heaven, and that when you, if you're a bad person, you go to hell. Now, you didn't hear this term thrown around pretty much in the churches that I am familiar with, and that's certainly not the Catholic Church. They didn't refer to heaven as the new heaven and new earth state. And they didn't refer to hell as the lake of fire. We learned about those things after we came into class, and it's in your Bible. Now what I want you to know is this. That there's a resurrection in both mysteries. Not just the mystery of righteousness, there's a resurrection with the mystery of iniquity. Now I want you to go over to Daniel, the 12th chapter. Brandon, do you have it? I, I want you to start right at 1. Okay, I'll grab it for you. That's Daniel 12 and 1. Can everyone hear me? We can hear, yes, we can can. hear you great. Okay. Yes. Daniel 12 and 1. And at the time, that time, shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since, 
there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now listen, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think it takes a, a, a rocket scientist to recognize the whole world is in a state of chaos right now. We got some trouble going on in this world. We have all manner of different aspects of unrest and lack of order and peace in the world. We've got it in the religious, on the religious side. Uh, uh, give me the Asherah chart real quick, please. If you have it. Do you have, I don't even know if you have Oh, okay. Now, if you look at this chart, you're going to see that there are, are two mysteries op, uh, 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 illustrated here. On the left side, we have the mystery of righteousness, and we have the woman inside the tabernacle with the sun over her head. And there are three compartments. And on the left side, right side, we have the mystery of iniquity, who is in darkness, and we have the woman painted in his tabernacle in a state of darkness with a moon over her head. Now the mystery of iniquity operates in three aspects of operation down through the ages of the flesh. He operates through, in the most holy place, would be re religion. The holy place would be likened unto politics and the court roundabout to economics. Wherever there's a conflict in the world, if it's a religious conflict, you'll find out politics is involved and money's involved. If it's a political conflict, you'll find out that there is religion involved in that conflict and there's money involved. And whenever there's financial problems with the world, we know that both religion and politics are involved in their part in that as well. So the mystery of iniquity is using those three vehicles to operate his satanic purpose and his mystery. And yet, he is hidden. The world in darkness cannot discern the mystery of iniquity in operation. Now, I want to say this. When there was a war in heaven, and the third of those angels sinned and were cast out of heaven, they were cast down into the earth plane. The other two-thirds did not sin, they were obedient to that which was revealed and they believed the truth and they believed the, by the blood of the Lamb what was revealed to them by the Holy Spirit or by Yahshua. Now the third that was cast down, they're held in chains of darkness. And you look at that mystery of iniquity there on the chart and you see at the top of his head, you'll see those chains painted right around his forehead there. And he's in chains of darkness. Now darkness, as we understand by our scripture reading tonight, is for you not to be able to see the truth, not to know the truth, not to have a revelation of your creator as he actually is or truthfully exists, or his purpose. See, and what we have on the mystery of righteousness is that plate on the high priest that says holiness unto Yahweh. And Doc said it also said holiness unto Yahshua. Now what I want you to realize is, in one mystery, we have darkness by the one who heads up that mystery. He's in chains of darkness, and his bride is in darkness. 
Now, Yahshua said, I am the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. In other words, if you're going to come into the new heaven and new earth date, you've got to be lit up, ladies and gentlemen. And you're lit up by that star, that morning star, the sun. And he is going to light you up, as it was said in the prayer, by revealing himself to us and revealing the Father to us. Now, when those third of angels were cast into the earth plane, they were, from the standpoint of a third of the angels, still, from your vantage point, an innumerable company. You could not put a number on how many one-third of the angels were. Dr. Kinley said that all of the stars in the universe are a reflection or manifestation of angels. Nobody can tell you how many stars are out there. As soon as they think they got a grip on how many stars, how many galaxies, they find out, they look deeper into space and find out there's billions more galaxies they never saw before. And they got these new telescopes now that are going deeper and deeper and deeper. Those stars are for all intent purposes an innumerable company and you couldn't begin to number a third of them. Now those angels that were cast out, those demonic angels and Lucifer, are all held in chains of darkness. And their nature is one of complete antithesis or opposite of the nature of Yahshua the Messiah. They're full of lies. They're murderers and thieves. And you can't fix them. You cannot convert a satanic spirit, ladies and gentlemen, because their, their fate was sealed when they rejected the knowledge that Yahshua gave to those angels, and that one-third rejected that was their sin, and their fate was sealed. They cannot, cannot uh, get out of that, that condition. Now, what I want you to know is this. I want you to know that Yahshua did not come here to fix the earth. When he came in, he did not come in here to bring peace on earth. And he says that over in Matthew, the 10th chapter. Right. You're never going to have a time when the earth plane is, if you will, that the earth plane is in any way, shape, or form uh, going to be uh, uh, made a, a, a pleasant place to live and we're going to have peace, we're going to have people getting along. It's not going to happen. People have dreamed of it. People have wanted unity. They've wanted uh, people to learn how to love one another. But you can't do that without the Holy Spirit. That's the problem. And these demonic spirits that were cast out, Dr. Kinley also said this, he said that there are never been enough bodies born in all of the course of human history to be able to number the amount of demonic spirits. The demonic spirits are in such great numbers that there's not enough bodies for them to inhabit. That's why when Yahshua cast that one, uh, talked to that one demonic spirit that was within that one body there. He asked what his name was. He said, "My, our name is Legion, for we are many. Now, I want you to know you can't fix this. Now, let's talk about, let's go back over to uh, Daniel 12, because I want to get this down. Okay, I got okay. my 
I got my messages, Felicia and Rhonda. I don't know how to fix the audio. Uh, but no, you're good. You're all okay. Good. I'm good. The audio's coming through. Okay. Yes, all right. Great. All right. Go ahead. Daniel twelve, and we left off at two. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now listen, we're talking about an awakening, which is the same principle as a resurrection. They are going to resurrect from that state of sleep. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to get you another scripture to verify this uh, that we're talking about. Uh, it's over in John, I believe, the fifth chapter. Let me go get that real quick. Uh Oh boy, it's it. I believe it's in John the fifth chapter. Let me just go. I had the scripture on my uh, phone now, and I don't know where it is, so I'm going to look. Uh, do you know what it says? And I'm in the fifth in chapter. Twenty-eight. Try that. Okay, the twenty-eighth verse. This is John five and twenty-eight. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. That's what I want. Okay, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Now that's what he see. What he's doing is he's repeating what we just read in Daniel. There's going to be a resurrection in both both mysteries, and what I want you to realize is that these that are sleeping in the dust of the earth are those that have died. That have died down from Adam on down. We've got. Either those that are sleeping in the dust of the earth that are going to resurrect unto everlasting peace, and those that are going to rise to everlasting shame and contempt. Contempt. Excuse me, I said content, but I meant contempt. Mm -hmm. And so, what I want you to see is that um, what we're dealing with here is we're dealing with a state that when people pass away, they cannot go yet either to the new heaven and new earth state and they can't go to the lake of fire either so the question is what what's going on with that where are they now let me direct you to one other thing that i want to show you i want to shore this up what i'm saying so you know this isn't my concept i want you to go to revelation and i'm going to say i'm going to say it's a revelation 20 maybe 21 Okay. Let's see here. Revelation 20, where he talks about that the, uh, uh, let's see here. Well, let's start, let's read, start at, well, start six first. Start at six. There's something in six I want as well. Okay, so that's uh, Revelation 20 and six. Mm-hmm. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Right. On such, the second death hath no power. Now you have a part in the first resurrection, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. You've been resurrected from a carnal mind or a carnal way of thinking or a carnal nature to a spiritual mindedness with a new nature forming in you. And Dr. Kinley used to say it like this. He said, when you come down here, you come in here dead on arrival, and you sit in a chair, 
And when the gospel is preached, he said, you are resurrected from the dead and forevermore, he said. So we have taken part in the first resurrection. Reese. Mm -hmm. But they shall be priests of Elohim and of the Messiah and shall reign with him a thousand years. All right, now I want to cut down now because I don't want to read all of this. I don't, have, I don't want to take up all the time. I want you to go to uh, 10, I guess. Okay. Ten yeah, verse 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever Raid. and ever. Raid. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, for whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Mm -hmm. And there was found no place for them. Now, talking about the consummation, when Yahshua appears in all of his glory, and I remember when Dr. Kinley talked about this, he said he will outshine the noonday sun and the whole creation will be dissolved in his presence. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the consummation we're reading about right here. Go ahead and read. Okay. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before Yahweh, and the books were opened. And Ray. another book was opened, mm -hmm. which is the book of life. Ray. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which was in them, which were mm -hmm. in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. Read. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. Now remember, yes. when you read when you read the word hell in your Bible, I used to think as a Catholic that hell is the place where the burning taking place. Well, we found out that hell is the grave. It's a reference to the grave, not to hell. When it talks about, in some Bibles it will talk about how Yahshua overcame death, hell, and then they'll say in the grave, Yahshua didn't go to the lake of fire, ladies and gentlemen. What Yahshua did when he laid in the tomb on the Sabbath day, that grave was, re was referred to in your Bible as hell, and he was preaching to the captives in hell. Now, not in the lake of fire, because remember, those that are cast into the lake of fire cannot ever receive the gospel or understand it. But the grave, those that were hidden in the grave, that were sitting in the grave, as Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth and I shall see him in the latter days. Those had to be resurrected by Yahshua the Messiah in fulfillment of the scriptures because it was Yahshua that caused them back there to resurrect into the land of Canaan, which was where their inheritance was. Now I want to throw this into that pot too. Uh, Dr. Kinley once told me that Abraham walked the length and the breadth of, of Canaan's land, but never once set foot in the promised land. And I, of course, challenged it, because I thought it said it right in the Bible that he walked in the promised land. So Doc asked me to show it to him, and while I was trying to find it, he opened it up to me in my heart and mind, and I realized he, what the real promised land was, was dwelling in Yahshua. Because nobody dwelled in Yahshua till the day of Pentecost. Now, what I want you to realize is, is that when Joshua took him into Canaan's land, that was a manifestation of Yahshua the Messiah bringing you unto himself, and you, have a, you are joint heir with him, meaning your inheritance 
lies in Yahshua the Messiah. Now, that's why he's your only hope of glory. Now, it was Yahshua that brought them to their inheritance back there, and they resurrected out of that state that they were in and brought into another state, and that's manifested by them coming up into the land of Canaan and being circumcised, and then living in a place that was the land flowing, as it says, with milk and honey. Now, the other example is Ezekiel that we just worked with in our scripture reading last night in the Syracuse uh, class, which was Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones. I think it's 37. Don't get it. But in there, uh, Elohim says to Ezekiel, O son of man, can these bones live? Because he was set mm -hmm. down in all of this valley with all these dry, dead bones. And the bones were figurative of the souls of men, in particular Israel or the chosen, to show that in the purpose that those that were chosen in Yahshua right from the beginning would have to first go into a death-like state so that he could be the resurrection in life to those souls that Yahweh had foreordained to raise from that state in Yahshua the Messiah that Yahshua may be glorified and know that he is your salvation. So here he's set... Ezekiel is set in this valley of dry bones. They're all dead bones. They've been laying there. Why are they dry? They have no living water. Living water is the gospel. Yahshua said, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And nobody knew mm -hmm. the purpose of Yahweh, and the gospel was not preached till after Yahshua comes in and fulfills and pours out his spirit. Now, what I'm showing you is that when he rose from the dead on the third day there, those that were captives in hell. Now, captives, he's got to fulfill another scripture in Isaiah. Go get Isaiah. I think it's the 61st chapter where he talks about being anointed with glad tidings. Mm -hmm. It might be 61. It might be 63. Okay, Isaiah call. 61 and 1. There you go. The spirit of Yahweh Elohim is upon me, because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach glad tidings unto the meek. He hath Read. sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, mm -hmm. to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now watch, watch. He has to be anointed, and I'm only going to key in on to proclaim liberty to the captives. Well, we don't have any evidence in our writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that the that Yahshua ever went to a, a prison somewhere and started preaching to the prisoners. So how does he fulfill that? Well, you see, all of us were prisoners in reality, but we were, we were in captivity to the mystery of iniquity when we walked in the door and didn't even know it. But also, there were those that had died from Adam on down that were held, as it were, captive to the grave. And they had to wait for redemption. Now, Dr. Kinley talked about that when Yahshua was in the tomb on that Sabbath, he had to go back and bring the gospel back to Adam. And all those from Adam on down, he had to preach the gospel to him, and he goes into a whole thing, which is another lecture in itself that we've gotten into, of how the high priest has to go up on the Day of Atonement and get past that veil 
And that whole thing is demonstrating Yahshua going back and preaching to all the captives from Adam on down that were waiting for their Redeemer or their Messiah. And so when Yahshua raises from the dead and comes out of that tomb, that symbolically manifests him overcoming death, hell, and the grave. Not hell, the lake of fire, but the, the being in that state of captivity without having yet the uh, uh, Holy Spirit in them waiting for redemption. And so when he raises, and Doc used to say it like this, that when the head comes up, then the body must follow. So when he rose, many of those that slept in the dust of the earth came out of the graves and went in as witnesses to Yahshua's resurrection. Head rises, the body follows. Now, what we have to recognize is this, the state of captivity that they're in. What is that all about? What were they doing while they were dead from Adam on down? Well, I'm going to put it in a term, and then I'm going to work with this a little bit. They were in a state of sleep. You go, what do you mean? Well, let's go over for a minute to uh, the story about Lazarus. And I think that's in the 11th chapter, if I'm not mistaken. The 11th chapter of John. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, now, I, we're not going to get the whole thing, because I don't want to take... Uh, uh, added time that I don't need. Well, pick it up. Yeah, you got to go and get 11, 1, and 2 there. We're going to skip down, but we're not going to read the whole thing. Go ahead. Sure, no problem. That's John 11 and 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed Yahshua with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Mm -hmm. Therefore his sister said unto him, saying, Master, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Uh -huh. When Yahshua heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death. Now note Before that. Wait a minute. That, that's an interesting point there. He said, This mm -hmm. sickness is not unto death. Now you all already know the story. And I'm just telling you, he tells her that the sickness was not unto death. Now watch, read. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> <laughs> when Yahshua heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of Yahweh, that the Son of Elohim might be glorified thereby. He's got to be sick for the glorification of Elohim and Yahshua. Mm -hmm. Because Yahshua's proclaimed himself, and he does in this chapter, to be the resurrection of life. Go ahead and read. Now Yahshua loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now here he, now look, they, remember this, Martha and Mary are still carnally minded, as well as all of his disciples and followers. And they're thinking, well, why is he, you know, taking his sweet time? This guy's dying. <laughs> I'm just sitting here laughing how Yash was playing these people, and they don't even understand. He's doing something in the purpose because they don't see the purpose. They're all worried, all upset. Gee, you know, Yahshua, if you're only here. And we do the same darn thing. Yeah. We need help with something. Well, Yahshua, can you help me with this problem and that problem? If it don't happen right now or tomorrow, we're all <laughs> upset. Mm -hmm. 
not knowing that everything is for the glory of Yahweh and Yahshua. And things sometimes have to play out for Yahshua to come in and get be the one that is going to receive the glory. And, yeah. and so these people here, they're in a state of, they're thinking this guy dies, man. You know, we're going to lose somebody we all love. Read. Mm -hmm. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Mm -hmm. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. Now we're going to go into Judea. Read. Mm -hmm. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again. Mm -hmm. Yahshua answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. Man, he's talking way over their heads, you know, but there's a reason why he has to say all this. Read. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. Mm-hmm. Said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Now he said I... that Lazarus was sleeping. Mm. He wasn't trying to placate them so they wouldn't feel so bad. We think, well, Yahshua said that to try to calm him down. Oh, he's just sleeping. No, that's because there's a reality of sleep that has to be understood here. Mm. Sleep, from a natural standpoint, has a spiritual counterpart. He says, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. Read. But I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. I'm going to awake him out of the sleep. Read. Then said his disciples, Rabbi, if he sleep, he shall do well. Mm -hmm. Albeit Yahshua spake of his death, but they thought he had spoken of taking a rest and sleep. Now, they thought he talked about taking a rest and sleep. Now, here's what sleep is. If you look up sleep in a dictionary, in fact, we're going to do that. I want, I want mm -hmm. to get this, this definition. I want to go into the dictionary, and we're going to put in there sleep. And I don't know who has it, so I'm going to pull it up right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Do you have it? Yep, I have it from Merriam-Webster Dictionary Online. Go ahead. That. Sleep, the natural, easily reversible, periodic state of many living things. All right, I don't want, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read that whole explanation above. I want you to go to two. Two, a state resembling sleep, such as a state of torpid inactivity. Now listen, sleep is a state of torpid inactivity. We're not. You're not. You're not doing anything. Read. Death. Now, death is death and sleep are one and the self same thing. Read. Mm -hmm. Trance, coma, mm -hmm. the closing of leaves or petals, especially at night, a state marked by a diminution of feeling followed by tingling. All right, all right. Like listen, my foot is asleep. Mm -hmm. We got we got what I was after. That state of of inactivity and a mm -hmm. state that is 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 death. They they actually. Uh, corresponded to death. Now, we found out through science the necessity of getting sleep, good sleep. It's crucial to your brain to relieve itself of toxins and all this other kind of stuff. And you have to have this rest. Now, those that died, 
that were in the tomb waiting for their Redeemer were not in a state of suffering, nor were they in a state of what we call the kind of elation that we will experience when we go into the new heaven and new earth state. They were simply in a state of rest. And when Yahshua woke them there at the resurrection, he was bringing them out of that state and making them active in the purpose. Now, that rest, of course, seems to be peaceful and all of this kind of I know that I, when I get a good night's sleep, I, I wake up really feeling great. But if I'm disturbed at night when I'm sleeping by whatever, a bad dream or I got something bothering me and I can't seem to uh, calm down or whatever myself enough to fall asleep, that's not good. So what we have is all of those patriarchs that were put at rest in that tomb all the way down through were in a state of sleep waiting or they weren't sitting there like mulling this over. Gee, when is he going to come? Because one of the characteristics of being in that state, just as you witness in your own physical uh, experience, is that you have no consciousness of time. So how many of you, when you fall asleep, all of a sudden come to the realization, gee, I've been sleeping for an hour now, I wonder how much longer I'll sleep. You're not. You fall asleep, you have a good night's sleep. When you wake up eight hours earlier, you don't know that eight hours has taken place or gone by. You're not conscious of your surroundings. You're not conscious of anything that happened. And all of those, all of those souls that were uh, uh, waiting on redemption were in a state of rest or a state of sleep and Yahshua, when he awoke them then, was at the time, that, in reality, what it's showing forth is that they're going to be brought under the new covenant. And they're going to be brought into the knowledge and understanding of Yahweh's purpose and plan. And that's being awoken from that state in reality. And you then uh, uh, having an active understanding of what Yahweh has done, what he set up, and you know, what this is all pointing to on a higher level. Now, what I want you to know is this. I asked Dr. Kinley a question. I said, Doc, if nobody's in the new heaven and new earth state yet, or nobody's in the lake of fire, I said, then where is Peter and Paul and John and the disciples back there that died 2,000 years ago, where are they if they're not in that new heaven and new earth state? And Doc said, I'll put it to you like this, Dennis. He said, they're in a state of rest. He said, and when they're awoken from that state at the end of this age to put on that new immortal glorified body, in their minds or their consciousness, no time will have passed. It will be the exact instance that they were, they, that they were dead, that they died that they're waking up to receive that new body and go on into the new heaven and new earth state. So what I want you to realize is that we had a brother, some of you may know about this, that experienced something very similar to what we're talking about. There was a man in the Springfield class named uh, Dr. Richard Davis. Mm -hmm. 
Richard was in a motorcycle accident back in 1974. And uh, this was a few, I don't know, a few weeks before the convention that they were going to have, the, the Ohio State Convention in 1974, which I attended. And I want you to know that he was in a coma. Now, Dr. Kinley went up to see him at Mercy Hospital. He was in a hospital there in Springfield called Mercy Hospital. And Dr. Kinley, uh, Dr. Gill, and another uh, uh, member of our uh, brethren that you might remember, Dr. Bob Buffington, the three of them went up into the hospital to see Richard Davis, and they came to the nurse's station and told them that they would like to see uh, Richard Davis, and the nurse said to him, well, you know, he's in a coma and he can't have any visitors. And then they told him that they were with the clergy and he was a member of their congregation. And she said, oh, okay. Well, then she took them over to the bed where Richard had been in a coma. Showed no signs of consciousness or coming out of it. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Kinley walked to the side of the bed and he leaned over and looked into... Richard's face. And the nurse was standing there watching this. And all of a sudden, Richard opened his eyes and said, oh, hi, Dr. Kinley. And the nurse just about fell over. Now, in 1974, the Scots said that Dr. Kinley got on the floor and talked about that event that happened with Richard Davis. And he said, now I'm going to put it in a way that you can understand it. He said, I had to go down inside of him and bring him up. Now, we were all sitting there, oohing and on. I'll never forget it, as long as I live. The whole, and, and Richard Davis had gotten up on the stage to talk about how he was not expected to be able to walk for I don't know how many months and yet he regained his ability to walk and to navigate and stood up on the stage there in a matter of weeks. Now, there's a second story to this whole thing. Richard Davis went around and talked to, he came to our class. At that time, I was the dean of the Green Bay, Wisconsin class. And Richard Davis came up to Green Bay and stayed at my house. And he gave a testimony about what he was experiencing when he was in this coma-like state. And what he said, he said, he said, I was in the sea of light. He said, I don't know how to describe it to you. It was a sea of light that had no end to it. And the light was love, and it was peace. He said, and I was in this light, and for all I knew, I had always been in it and had no recollection or consciousness that I ever was in the earth and that I was a Richard Davis. He said, I was busy being happy. That was his testimony. He said, and all of a sudden, I felt something pulling on me, and it pulled me out of that state, and it was getting darker and colder as I was coming out of it, Till I woke up and I was back in the physical body. Back in my consciousness of my physical body. But yet that state that he was in that was peace and joy, he had no 
conscious awareness of the purpose either taking place. Now that state, I believe, is the state that these apostles that have been martyred back at the beginning of this age are in a state of repose. And I found another definition that it talks about repose because Yahshua talked about, it said there in Lazarus, that he, he taketh a rest in, in sleep. I want you to look up the word rest for a minute in a dictionary, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Dr. Wolfe? Could you look up the, the word rest, R-E-S-T? Yes. Mm -mm. Thank you. Rest, and this is also a Merriam-Webster dictionary online. Repose. Sleep. Now, it's a repose, ladies and gentlemen. Read. Sleep. Specifically, a bodily state characterized by minimal functional and metab metabolic activities. Freedom from activity or labor. A state of motionlessness or inactivity. The repose of death. Now listen, that's what I wanted right there. In mm -hmm. rest, it talks about the repose of death. Okay? Now, I would like you to look up the word repose too if you could. Sure. Repose is also from Merriam-Webster Dictionary. A state of resting after exertion or strain, especially rest and sleep. Eternal or heavenly rest. A place of rest. Peace. Tranquility. Now that's what I want, that's what I want you to see. That those that were slept, that have slept in the dust of the earth, and even after Pentecost till the time of the consummation, are in a state of repose. They're in a state of peace and tranquility, with no conscious awareness of the purpose going on, unless they're brought up from that state. And what I want you to realize is that the resurrection that we read about in Daniel that all these souls that have died are going to be re resurrected both unto uh, everlasting peace and joy and some unto everlasting contempt and shame. Both mysteries are going to get their reward down at the end of this age. And I remember Dr. Kinley used to say this. He said, now nobody's going to get away with anything. He said, we're going to settle up at the end. Now, sometimes people do something and there's no lightning bolts that hit them. They don't get run over by a car. And they think, well, okay, uh, God or Yahweh's uh, letting me off the hook here. I, I got away with that one. Well, no. You can go right on, right through your whole life and think everything's cool. But unless you have been repetitive, you're going to have to settle up with your creator at the end. It's that simple. Where none of us are going to escape uh, uh, nobody's going to get away with anything. So what I want you to know is that we want to awake to everlasting peace. We want Yahshua to uh, chastise us and cleanse us of all of our faults. We need to be repetitive. We need to be humble and accept chastisement. And so what I want you to know is that we are in the partly 
as Doc used to say, you got one foot in eternity and another one on a banana peel. We're about to cross over, ladies and gentlemen. These bodies will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And you will receive a new body. That body, ladies and gentlemen, is a super incorporeal body above the glory of all of the angels. And even the angels are going to receive a super incorporeal body. We're all brethren. We're all in the same family. We're all going to be gathered in Yahshua the Messiah at the end of this age. And so, people talk about they've had these experiences where they die and how peaceful it was and everything else, these near-death experiences. And that doesn't surprise me because they're experiencing that state of repose. That's not the same thing as the state of heaven that we are looking at or the new heaven and new earth that we're looking at which is which is a uh, conscientious awareness of the of the purpose of Yahweh in such in such a uh, uh, measure that we are incapable now of knowing those things until we get this new immortal glorified body in order for us to continue learning and to know the things of the uh, of Yahweh that he is going to reveal in the next three ages after this one requires us to have a body that is far more capable than the one that we have. Your brain can only concentrate for so long and it's tired. You can only hold so much information till you've exhausted the capacity of your brain to store information. But that's not the case with the new body. Right. The new body is not going to get tired. It's not going to get sick. It's not going to get old. It's not going to have a lack of concentration. There's no Alzheimer's. There's no, gee, I'm feeling tired right now. I can't handle Listen, I asked Dr. Kinley this question one time I, uh, when I was quite young in this teaching. I said, Doc, I said, if we're all going to be in Yahshua at the end of this age, will we be conscious of our existence? Doc said this to me. He said, Dennis, you're not conscious of it now, and it's not till then that you will be. Now, I want you to realize that our consciousness is very infantile compared mm -hmm. to what we will experience in these ages yet to come. But what Yahshua's given us is the earnest of our inheritance. He's given us the earnest of our peace. And at one point, back in the 70s, there were people talking about how they had, they already had the immortal glorified body in them. And I'm just, gonna, I'm just quoting the founder now. He said, it's a damn lie. And he had to correct it. He said, nobody has that body yet, and nobody's going to get that body till the revelation of Yahshua from heaven down at the end of this age. We are still, we are be forming a new creature. Just like the butterfly, the caterpillar crawls up and forms the chrysalis, and inside the chrysalis, a new body is being formed, and it is actually consuming its old form. The butterfly is being, uh, the caterpillar is being consumed as the butterfly is forming. And when that butterfly emerges as a complete brand new creature, Everything about it is altered. It does not have the same uh, 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 
aspects of what its body functions are. It doesn't eat the same food. It has far greater eyesight and all, many, many other things that you can work with that, that illustrates uh, the process that we're going through. But until we get through the cocoon and the formation is at its proper stage, that is not going to be made manifest until all of that has to take place. And so really, that, that caterpillar is buried in that cocoon or that chrysalis, only later to be resurrected. Now we also have creatures in the, in, the, in the earth plane that go through what they call incomplete metamorphosis, where they bear characteristics of the old uh, caterpillar and the new creature. And they are nocturnal. They're not creatures of the day, where a butterfly is a creature of the sun. It literally is powered by the sun. There's a chemical on its wings that is, is uh, reacted by sunlight that, it, that powers it and gives it the ability to continue on. Our wings, ladies and gentlemen, are the law and the prophets. And the sunlight that Yahshua is the revelation that he gives us that powers us to continue our journey and our migration that we are making from this life back to where we started. We are making a migration or a round trip. We've come out of Yahshua and we all got to go back in him before the end of this purpose. He's going to gather all things in him. Everything came forth out of him and everything's got to go back in him. All souls are his. All souls came out of that body and all the souls, not all the souls are going back in there because the mystery of iniquity is not getting back in there. But the mystery of righteousness is. Their names have been blotted out of the book or their souls are blotted out of the book of life. You, by continuing on in the teaching to grow and learning and supporting the gospel and being a minister, doing the work of the ministry, and, and, and praising Yahshua and preaching the gospel for the purpose of a salvation of a soul, you have a reward at the end of the day waiting for you. Now, go over to Paul for a minute. I want you to go over to Paul. Uh, it's in, I think, Timothy, where he talks, talks about he fought the good fight. That his time was at hand. I believe it's in Timothy. That's Timothy. That's First Timothy. Um, do you want? I fought the good fight and I finished the course. There's one. Yes, that, that's what I want. That's what I want. Can you tell me where you're reading? Yes, that is Second Timothy. Excuse me, four and seven. Okay, let me uh, let me get over there with you. Second uh, Timothy four and seven, four yeah. and seven. Go ahead. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I have oh, thought, wait a minute. Let's pick it up. Let's pick it up to. Uh, uh, I, wait. Three. I, I'm sorry. We got to start at one on this one. Okay, sure. No problem. The Second Timothy 4 and 1. I charge thee, therefore, before Yahweh, excuse me, before Elohim, and the Savior Yahshua the Messiah, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Now, the quick are those that have been made alive. Mm. So the dead are going to be those, of course, that are in the dust of the earth. Read. Mm -hmm. Preach the word. Be instant in season 
out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Mm-hmm. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now listen, I'm telling you, this is I've mm-hmm. witnessed this, and I would have never believed when I came to this class that people that used to preach the same gospel that the founder preached, that you're hearing us preach, would turn mm-hmm. from it and, re- and reject it. So, you know, there will come a time when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. Read. Mm-hmm. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Now these people that are doing this are those like those moths that are incomplete metamorphism. They have things that they take from class that they use and incorporate it into their own ideas and, and, and theories and opinions and set up their own group, if you will, trying to get mm-hmm. people to follow after them. Read. Mm-hmm. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned into fables. Read. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Now he's, listen, he's charging them because he knows he's about to be taken out of the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, this is very similar in principle to what the founder did in the two lectures that he gave in 1975 which were his two last lectures. Right. He told us there were those that were going to uh, stand, that had been raised up down at this class and been around for a long time. They're going to start teaching you something different than what he taught us. Mm-hmm. And he said, now, I'm not kicking about it. I'm telling you so you're prepared to reject it. And Paul is telling them the same thing, that there are going to be those that will not uh, endure sound doctrine and will stray from the truth and start teaching mm-hmm. you fables. See, but watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Now we're all going to have to be afflicted. We're all going to be persecuted. It is what you, it's part of the job of being a minister of Yahshua the Messiah. You're going to be called a satanic spirit. You're going to be, you're going to, people are going to miss, uh, 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 represent your intentions for why you do things. But you remember this. The only one that you have to be straight with is Yahshua in you. If you know you're doing what Yahshua told you to do and is having you to do, and you've been as honest as you can about it, you don't let those accusations affect you. We have to learn how to, how to accept that persecution that is about the, you know, that's going to fall upon us. Read. Mm-hmm. Six verse. For I am now ready to be altered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Now listen, he knows they're going to... Nero, according to history, he preached to Nero, the emperor of Rome. And he was so vexed by, by, by the things that Paul had said to him and Paul that he had him beheaded. Mm. Keep reading. Mm-hmm. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Now listen. Yahweh. Now listen. Here's what you're reading. You're reading that he fought a good fight and he finished the course. In other mm-hmm. words, he did not stop preaching Yahshua the Messiah from the time that Yahshua appeared to him there in in the uh, Book of Acts over there, whatever year that was, until the time that they literally killed him. Mm-hmm. 
He tried to go to every soul that he could to persuade them, to convince them to accept the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. He finished the course, and he kept the faith, and now he knows there's a crown of righteousness that's laid up for him. That's what we're, See, ladies and gentlemen, we're not getting the reward now. We got a reward waiting for us now. And if your reward that you're after is to have people follow after you and praise you, there's something wrong. Because if you're going to be persecuted and you're going to be falsely accused and hated for his namesake, that's not going to, don't expect a lot of people to, you know, to praise and honor you. That's not the way it's going to happen. We have to keep the faith, and we know that at the end that we're going to receive that immortal glorified body and Yahshua is going to pay us just like the parable of those that worked in the field and some of them worked all day, some came at the end, but at the end they all got paid the same penny. Right. We're all going to get the same reward at the end, and that is that immortal glorified body. You understand? Keep reading. Mm -hmm. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which Yahweh, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. Mm -hmm. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Mm -hmm. Do thy diligence. All right, that's, that's good. There's nothing mm -hmm. more there that we want. Okay. Uh, all right, so what I would like to do is I would like, again, to revisit for just a minute. Uh, hang on for a minute. I want to show you something about rest, by the way. Rest is repose. And I want to show you uh, those that are not going to get their rest. Go to Matthew 12 and 43. That's Matthew 12 and 23? 43. Sorry, Matthew 12 and 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Now listen, that mystery of iniquity is never going to get his rest. Mm. Ever. Because when those satanic spirits incarnate in a body and they're cast out, or if the body should die, there's no repose for them. There's no rest. There is no peace. They do not get to have peace. There's no rest for the wicked. And actually, uh, that's in Isaiah, by the way. I, uh, I believe it's Isaiah, the 27th chapter. I want to get that real quick here, too. And I don't remember. I think it was down somewhere toward the end, but... Just give me one second, please. Hang on um, here. Oh, boy. There's a scripture in Isaiah where he talks about how there was no rest. Maybe I called it wrong. Let me just do a word search for a second. Okay, I um, is it sixty-two and no, no. You yeah, it might 20. be. It might be a different one than what I'm calling. I uh, uh, 
it says, and give him no rest till he established, until he make Jerusalem a praise. No, uh, that's, that that's not the one, but I'm going to try to find this one here. That statement, uh -huh. no rest for the wicked, is taken from Isaiah. And in Isaiah, the, it is actually phrased a little bit different. And I want you to know what it says there. Hang on for one minute. I'm, I'm looking through my concordance on my, my phone right now. 57 and 20. 57 and 20? Thank you. Yeah, I see 57 and 20. Yep. That's it. That sounds more like it. Yep. <laughs> okay. Isaiah, excuse me. Isaiah 57 and 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my Elohim, to the wicked. Now that's it right there. That's the one I wanted. See, there's no peace for the wicked. There's no rest. So those, those satanic spirits, when they are uh, uh, cast out of a body or the body will die, they're trying to find another body to get into because they can't get any repose. Now watch, go to Matthew 11 and 28, please. That's Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now take my yoke upon you. Yep, Yahshua's going to give you rest. Read, take my yoke mm -hmm. upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now that's what we want it. If we want rest unto our souls, right, then we have to be in Yahshua and have faith and learn of him. That's what will cause your soul to be in that state of repose and then eventually to be resurrected unto everlasting peace and righteousness and joy. Now, go I want to go to another one about the mystery of iniquity having no rest. Go to go to Revelation 14 and 11. Revelation 14 and 11. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Now listen, at the end of the age, ladies and gentlemen, there is not going to be the devil, Yahshua, and then carnal minds. Mm. There's only going to be either one mystery or the other. You're either at the end of the day going to be a member of the body of Yahshua with his spirit dwelling in you, or you're not. And if you're not, you're counted with the mystery of iniquity. And you're part of that satanic, if you will, that satanic uh, 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 body, if you will. And so... Uh, in that sense, at the end of the age, there's not a you as you think of yourself as being like, I'm a vessel, and I know I got the devil on my back, and then I've got the Holy Spirit. I want to try to understand the Holy Spirit and get the Holy Spirit in me. At the end of the age, all that is you settle down to one, two final conclusions. Either you have Yahshua in you, or you don't. If you don't mm -hmm. have Yahshua in you, you are rejected by the Father. Therefore, you are counted with the mystery of iniquity, and there will be no rest to your soul. And Yahshua said, He that gathereth not with me is against me. 
So when somebody comes down to class and they say, oh, I don't have any problem with what you guys are saying, but they're not going to waste their time going down there and being a part of it. They're not gathering with him. That's what we are set in the world to do. We are gathering souls unto Yahshua. And we are doing that by the preaching of the gospel and offering this knowledge and understanding to anybody that will hear it. Now, anybody that is not gathering is against him. There's no middle ground here. There's no lukewarm. And it's a very serious thing here. And what I want you to realize is that uh, there's no purgatory. The Catholic Church used to tell us, well, you know, if you, if you were just a little bad, you'd go to this place where you suffer for a little while, but then eventually you get out. Yeah, they, they, they came up with this because they don't understand. First of all, they don't understand what having the Holy Spirit really is all about and what that does to a soul nor do they understand how that those that don't have the Holy Spirit are in in the mystery of iniquity. They are in captivity to start with, and eventually they are converted to that satanic nature. There's conversions in both mysteries. And we come into the world, and Yahweh gives us all a conscience. That's the law that guides us until we come to the gospel and learn the things of Yahweh. And we'll be held, and if somebody's never heard of this teaching, they'll be held accountable to their own conscience. That's the standard that they will be judged by. And the devil's job is to get us all to violate our conscience. But with us, we are held accountable to the fact that we have the truth now, and what have we done with it? Have we increased have we taken it and used it to, uh, uh, just like the talents that were given to the servants, and one of them buried it in the ground, and the rest of them uh, increased the talents? Well, the talents that are given to us is the words of eternal life. And we come down here and we support the teaching. We gather together, uh, and we, when new people come in, we all try to have our part. Some are teachers, some are not teachers. Some are going to be there to make them feel warmly welcome, and so on. Mm -hmm. They're doing their part in the gospel to bring souls unto Yahshua. Right. And that's what our job is, ladies and gentlemen. We're ministers now. And uh, so those that are not, they're against them. It's that simple. And so there's no rest to them. There's no rest to their soul. The rest lies in the fact that we do the work of the ministry. And that's why Paul was sitting there saying, I have finished the course. And I know there's a crown. Now, Paul didn't sound like he was overly concerned there about the fact that he was going to get his head chopped off because he already knew what was on the other side of the veil, and he realized that Yahweh was taking him home. And so this whole thing with the soul uh, in the body has many ramifications of, of, of what happens after a person dies depending on uh, you know, where they're going to fit in these two mysteries down at the end. And so all I can tell you is there was many things that Dr. Kinley opened up to us. Uh, I realize one thing, that we don't have all the answers, but we have to trust that Yahweh's running this purpose and everything will be made known and understood in its due time. Mm -hmm. And so I'm confident those that have passed away in this gospel, many, many good souls that have passed away are laying in that state of peace and joy waiting to be awakened here at the end of the age. 
-hmm. and they're not even conscious that I'm in this state waiting to be awakened. But Yahshua will awaken them and give that immortal glorified body and then increase their learning in the ages yet to come. Mm -hmm. I hope something I said made some sense. I hope it resonated. Uh, I'm sorry for taking all the time. Uh, but I, uh, I could have cut it up short, but you wouldn't have gotten nearly as much out of it. So all I can tell you is uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I want to say that all of us need to love one another, hold each other's arms up, and encourage each other because, believe me, what's going to happen in the world here is not going to get better. We're facing mm -hmm. perilous times. Yep, and we know that the world, ladies and gentlemen, there's going to be a time down at the end. That's what Daniel said. And Yashua told us there would be a time of tri tribulation since the world has never known and seen before. Mm -hmm. So we have to be here for one another. And the way to escape it is to keep yourself grounded in Yashua and not get caught up in the trappings of this world and the affairs of this world and not to be sitting here hoping that Yashua fixes this world because he's not going to do it. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, and, I, and I'm telling you, sure, there's some wicked people out there that we, you know, that we don't definitely don't feel that those people should just skate free. Don't worry about it. Revenge is Yahweh's, and nobody's right. going to get away with anything. You let them run the show. You just sit back, pull up a lawn chair, and watch Yahweh work his purpose, and be patient. Yeah. All things are going to come to a, a you know, come to a, a conclusion. And I'm going to say this in closing. I want you to go to, uh, I think it's Timothy, uh, uh, let's see, 1 Timothy this time, I think, or it could be Thessalonians, the first chapter. You, are, you are, who are troubled, rest with us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Thessalonians. I don't know if that's Timothy or Thessalonians. That's 2 Thessalonians. Okay. That's what that's I want. Second, sure. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 7. Okay. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. Now that's when it. Listen, you, we got a lot of troubles in the world right now. Come mm -hmm. to class and rest with us. Yes. Because Yahshua is going to be universally revealed, and I'm saying soon. I'm not, I don't know the day, the, the date. I'm only telling you, do not lose sight and faith in the fact that Yahshua is going to make an appearance at the end of this age and outshine the noonday sun. We can't. We have to realize this. He has kept every promise he's ever made. We got evidence of it all the way down to the book. He's given mm -hmm. us the Holy Spirit, but there are other promises yet that have not been fulfilled, and that is that he's going to give us an immortal glorified body and put us in a new heaven and new earth state. Now, we're going to have to believe in those promises and stay in class with the hope of those promises we, that we are a recipient of those things. So if you're troubled, rest with us. Read. When Yahshua the Messiah shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not Yahweh, and that obey not the gospel of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah. That's right. That's right. And listen, listen. We have to stay in class. We have to continue mm. to obey the gospel, to be a minister and do our job, and fight the good fight and finish the course. Because if you don't, 
you can't come up to Yashua if you all of a sudden decided to leave class and the consummation happened the next day. You can't say, well, gee, I just left yesterday. Look at all the years that I was in class, Joshua. Don't I get that? In my, there is, that's not the way it works. In Ezekiel, he talks about if a man has done iniquity all his life and then turns from it, that Yahweh will forgive him and not mm-hmm. hold it as his charge. And he said if a righteous man do righteousness all of his life and then turn from that righteousness, his, all of his righteousness shall not be remembered. Mm-hmm. Stay in class. Fight the fight. I hope you learned something. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Peace in Yahshua to all the brethren. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Volpe. We really enjoyed that. And as we have about five minutes, I wanted to ask our dean, Dr. Marvin Lewis, if he would like to say anything before we conclude class. Yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity. Thank you, uh, Madam Moderator. Uh, I'd like to take this opportunity to extend an open open welcome to all of our visitors that have joined with us tonight and in the past, and to extend our warm appreciation and gratitude that you are helping us in this endeavor to keep the gospel in the forefront uh, in the state of Michigan and in the world. And we appreciate the fact that the things that you are delivering to us are the things that were delivered to us by the founder. And I especially appreciate Dennis because now we have an inward inroad. We don't have to guess what Dr. Kenley says anymore. Mm -hmm. You actually have somebody that sit and listen to Dr. Kenley and Yahweh has blessed him with the desire to be right and true to what Yahweh taught through Dr. Henry Clifford Kenley. So I just encourage everyone to continue to hang in there. We know these things are, it's tough times now, it's hard, but if you listen to what was preached tonight, you'll understand there's a reward for those that love Yahweh through Yahshua. So just hang in there and remember, whatever you're going through, Yahshua is able to deliver you from. That's what he's promised us. Everything you've heard from Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley is that Yahshua has promised to deliver us from death, hell, and the grave. And so it can't get any worse than that than it is now. So if Yahweh can deliver us from that, then what should we fear? That's right. Hallelujah. And we appreciate you. Hallelujah. Dr. Lewis. And we, as I'll reiterate what Dr. Lewis said, we really appreciate all the brethren that joined us today. Um, We had Green Bay, Madison, Denver, Syracuse, Tampa, Lansing, Saginaw, Oceanside, and our brother from Malaysia. We really hope you enjoyed our lecture and we give you and extend you all our peace and love in Yahshua as we enter these turbulent times because we know that Yahshua is our comfort and our salvation and our ark of safety. So please join us again if you can. We really would like it and appreciate it. And at this time, we would like to uh, let you know that our classes, our Zoom classes are held every Tuesday and uh, Thursday from 5.30 to 7.30 Eastern Standard Time and on Sundays from 1.30 to 3.30 Eastern Standard Time. And once again, we welcome you all back to study with us. We will now have the doxology, which is 
taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power before now and all time. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 Thanks for joining everyone. Hallelujah. That was wonderful. Yes, it's 